Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Hey, good evening. Yes, and welcome to Rescue Radio. Uh, This is Margie Cole, and tonight my special guests are Danny and Heather. But before we get going, the topic for tonight are young people and the world today. And, um, you know, as as we know, the hidden emergencies are probably more devastating and uh, insidious than the ones that are right out in front of our face. And tonight we're going to be talking about the hidden emergencies in our own homes or houses, you know, in the lives of our children, those silent things that get mulled around in their hearts and lives and come out through their actions that we try to interpret that we don't really understand. And so I'm hoping and praying tonight that we will be able to get some insight into that with with our guests. And so, Father, we pray tonight that you would give uh, our listeners encouragement, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to hope and receive the revelation of that hope and understanding for themselves, their family, their kids, uh, that there would be wisdom, that, you know, we operate so many times just out of reflexes uh, and, and uh, react rather than ponder and think and consider what you would have us say. And so tonight, um, give us wisdom. May we speak as the oracles of God. Lord, give us divine protection. We thank you for your precious blood that has bought and paid for our salvation. We thank you, Lord God, that we know about that salvation. And we know that there's a lot of people who do not, including a lot of our young people. So, Lord God, just bless our hearts. Teach us through this time. And uh, may it be profitable for everyone who listens and tunes in. And we just ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, welcome to the show, Danny and Heather. Um, so glad you guys could join us tonight. Um, thank you. So, do you want to say hi to the listeners? <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're playing with this a little bit, guys, out there in Radio Land, because we're doing this delay and echo and whatever you do out there. And so if it sounds like we're a little bit slow on the draw here, it's because we're kind of waiting for the, the I don't know, the communication satellites to let us <laughs> communicate with each other. Um, okay, so hey, why don't you guys tell, tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, you know, kind of the basics of your background and, and maybe about um, your experience with the Lord, how you, you know, got saved and how you ended up working with kids, what kind of kids, those kinds of things. So, um, Danny, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, uh, my name's Dan, and uh, I have been following the Lord since I was about 15. So, when I uh, when I got saved uh, as a teen, it kind of full out impacted my life. It was a uh, it's a God thing. I mean, it's like He chose me for a reason, chose me for a purpose, and my, I don't know, it's just like hard to describe when he comes and, you know, you encounter him, it it, it changes you, and uh, so, so, yeah, it was real. so when I was, yeah, so, you know, I said, you know, your experience was, 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 your experience was real, it wasn't something that you know, a lot of times people go through the, the the motions of getting saved. They're led in a prayer. They kind of do it in a group or in a church service. Yours was sounds like it was a little bit more personal and different than that. Is that right? Mine was a little more progressive. I mean, it, 
you know, when I got when I got saved, it was like my fourth or fifth time going to youth group. And uh, oh. the youth group that I went to every night would have an altar call. So uh-huh. it, it was, you know, it would be a really impactful message. The youth pastor was really awesome in the word and always gave the chance to be able to come to Christ. And for me, coming from, you know, outside of the church, inside, it took me a while to understand what was going on, you know, and yeah, for sure. is it, you know, is it for real? Is it not? You know, mm-hmm. well, that's but, interesting um, because a lot, of, Dan, a lot of kids, they grow up in the church and they kind of hear this from day one and they get, I think, don't you think they get a little desensitized to the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, it, it depends on how, how intense it is about, just the scriptures versus the relationship personally that's what i think is um you know you have these you have these teens that have been raised underneath the wing of their parents depending on how their parents live is the way the teens will kind of move or veer towards uh-huh. yeah so so you didn't have that you're you're saying you didn't have a christian background necessarily or what we would probably you know call that sort of upbringing you're kind of a a kid out there kind of is that what you're saying well you're kind of out yeah there. i mean i was i was raised in the household of uh you know it was your choice to do whatever you wanted on sunday you know i had my parents went to church at a different church that i went to um they they went to church because they had to, because my little brother was in a private school, so they had to go to oh. that school. They had to go to that church, you know, become members of that oh. church so that my little brother could go to that school. Oh, so that's good. Well, at least you had a real interesting opportunity to make that choice, and I know a lot of parents actually do that. They think they're doing their kids a service by saying, well, you decide whether you believe in God or not. But, hey, let's get to Heather for a second, and then we'll go back to um, some talk about, you know, how you got involved in youth ministry. Heather, um, tell us a little bit about your coming to the Lord and um, what, you know, how did you get connected with, 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 with kids and stuff? Well, my story is probably the, I'm not necessarily the opposite, but I did grow up in a strong Christian home and hearing it from the very beginning and, not having that teenage experience of going from not saved to saved and having that transformation later in my life that was more distinctive, it was working through not getting into stuck into a mundane, yeah, 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 that's what we always do, and not sure why. And that was something that I did definitely see with friends that I grew up with. I went to a private Christian school, K-12, so I was mm. always in it. You know, we we were always going to church, but we tended to go more to home church or smaller churches that we had a lot more relationships that we could build with people. Mm. Um, that was just what my background was, and you you got a lot well, of experience with seeing kids get fall away because it wasn't a relationship. It was just something that you always did because you were told to do it. 
So it wasn't like really theirs. It was kind of like um, learned by rote instead of becoming their own personal relationship. And, uh, and, and I would suppose that with being growing up in this, these pretty ideal circumstances, if you will, um, a nice fellowship, a home church kind of thing, Christian school, that you would have, um, you know, had perfect opportunities to just um, uh, sail along without problems. And on the other hand, but maybe being a little more um, uh, needful to make this more real than just going through the motions. Do you, do, you, do you see that yes. with kids today? I see it with the the kids that we, some of the kids that we have in youth group, um, that those who have grown up in that home life, it's sometimes it's an awakening to see that we have to make a decision for ourselves and you can't just yeah. ride on your parents and not even realizing that you're doing that until yeah. you're asked to, really speak up for your own relationship and what does it mean to you and why do you believe what you believe beyond just what somebody tells you? How do you know for yourself? Right. Yeah, taking a stand for what you believe um, for yourself, I think that is probably the bottom line. I'm sure as youth workers uh, that you that's what your, your, your goal is to get these kids to be able to take that stand for what they believe for themselves um, you know, and know why not why they believe in Jesus Christ, why they believe in God, because there's so many opportunities these days to just float along and get along, and everything is you know um, uh, what's the word? Um, everybody has their 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 ideas of what truth is, and and uh, we just want to cooperate. And so, really taking a stand and believing that you believe what you believe, and knowing that you know what you know, is probably a wonderful. Uh, thing when you see that happen in a ch- in a young person is is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So well, let me go back to you, Dan, for a minute and say, um, what kind of how did you get involved in working with kids? What kind of kids do you guys work with, or do you work together in this uh, ministry, or what? Well, it was um, from you know, from, like I said, from an early age uh, when I was fifteen. And I got saved, and the Lord dramatically changed my life. I mean, he he pointed me in the direction in which he had planned for me. Um, I could I could tell you the exact time that he spoke and said, "I will be involved with youth." You know, that was uh-huh. uh, it was a uh, you know it was summer camp. The summer after I got saved, you know, I was I was in I was in the chapel about a half hour before service even began because they had open chapel time for if you wanted to come in and pray. And I'm, you know, I'm in there walking the chapel praying. And I just really felt the Lord lay on my heart of going, the kids that are around you are the, not only your peers, but they're the ones that I want you to lead to. You know, I mean, uh-huh. it's like, the kids around me, it wasn't, the kids, you know, the kids around me, it's like, I, you know, the, the I had envisioned and I, you know, I got the vision of teens, you know, not just mm-hmm. not just my age, but also younger, and you know, thousands upon thousands in front of me going. These are the ones. These are the people that I want you to lead. And wow. for me, that was that was the impact of going. I know this is my call. You know, I know awesome. teens are my call. And the, the youth group that we help out in, um, you know, Heather helps out with us also. 
Um, not as much as you know, not as much as I do, but she does help out with all the events and you know comes every now and again. But uh, I've been involved with this youth group for about eight years now, and uh, mm-hmm. to see some of these kids, you know, come and go, you know, you see them grow up and you see them leave is, it, you know, it is really impactful, you know. Do you see the kids like Heather was talking? Do you see them taking a stand, learning to to believe what they believe and how to defend their faith? Do you see that? Um, transforming them um, through those four or five years that you have them? You know, it, we noticed that the, the the preparation time before they get to us, so like, you know, the younger ages, you know, the toddlers all the way through, you know, the faith weavers, and then that in-between time between faith weavers and us of seeing them progress and see how they mature and one who they are, you know, as they find themselves as a person, they'll find themselves as a spirit person is, uh, Uh there's a, it's a fine line trying to figure that out as a youth leader of going, all right, because you, you could, you know, you'd see these kids when they're, you know, real young, but then by the time they get to you, they could be almost a completely different person. Right. Depending on you know what well, they've been through. And... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about what they've been through because I think you know kids are just so. I, I mean, I think how do you even get a hold of a kid these days? How do you reach them? I mean, by the time, like you're saying, by the time you get to them, they're they've been so I don't know what would be the word. Ex- they've been so exposed to so many different things. Many of the things are very detrimental. And they don't have any idea, neither probably do their parents, of how devastating, detrimental, or diabolical these things might be. And um, so can you guys come up with some ideas of what those things might be that would, you know, uh, let's just say uh, corrupt a child or make it more difficult for them to continue on their, their journey with the Lord? I mean, um, like, for example, um, I'm think, I kind of think in terms of even the basics like um, – food and eating and eating too much sugar and eating junk food. And, you know, we've got everything out there, you know, food-wise, media, peers, peer pressure, uh, movies, everything is out there to, to get their money and, and in, in the process persuade them and kind of leaves a mark on them, kind of start to, it's starting to, to write into them a program um, that I believe hardens them. Now, this may be negative sounding, so you can cut me off at the pass if you want to. Um, but help me understand what is it we can uh, we 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 see happening with the the young ones as they're coming up into the youth group. What is this a what does this look like to you guys? Well, I also teach for my job in an inner city school, so I I teach in elementary. So it's oh. it's pretty. It's pretty sad sometimes seeing what some of these kids have to go through at such an early age just in home life, things that are completely out of their control that can make them form an incorrect identity of themselves, you know, one that is not God's identity for them, that sends them down a path of decision-making and a belief path (laughs) based on what they believe they are or who they believe they are or what they're capable of. Okay. Now, can you give me an example? That's awesome. It, it, what you're saying is 
I mean, it's not awesome that it's happening, but how an incorrect identity of themselves, where are they getting their identities from that cause their beliefs to be based on who they are, which obviously then are faulty, faulty beliefs. What are the, um, what are some of those things that are happening to create this incorrect identity? Uh, it can happen from home of however they are being, they're interacting with their parents or siblings at home or feedback that they're getting from their their family who is supposed to be their safe zone. Uh, whatever feedback they're getting, whether or not it's you can never do anything right or um, even just to the physical aspect that, that if there's any kind of abuse that's happening, that's automatically mm-hmm. sending a signal that you're not worth something yeah. or that there's... Yeah. Um, it's not it's not a big deal if I think that you're safe and I don't really feel like protecting you, so you must not be worth much. Um, right. And it right. turns into survival mode. And kids do, uh, even at a really young age. I mean, kindergarten and first and second grade, of, they're, they're scrappers. They turn into survival mode of that's how they know how to survive because some of that could be learned just at home. But also even with kids interacting with each other of bullying and how they're getting social feedback cues from other kids, that that can really make them look at themselves, especially with, like, older kids, like fifth grade, that mm-hmm. a lot of bullying happens and it really destroys their ability to see themselves as who they really are versus what other kids are saying they are. Yeah. So... The bullying. Can you hear me, by the way? We had a weird sound here. Yeah. Are you still with me? Okay, great. Yes. Yes. Uh, the bullying and, the, and being picked on is like age old. I mean, the, the fights on the playground, the, the picking on the younger kids um, and that sort of thing. And now they kind of, I've heard they do the bullying even through the social media and that sort of thing. But it sounds like if you're seeing them going into survival mode when they're, you know, second graders, first graders, scrappers, you know, and some of them are going to come out, you know, on top of the heap as fighters, and some are going to get trampled underneath it and be the, you know, the the people who have less sense of self-worth or strength or value. Um, so you start to see this already sorting out in the younger grades. Is there um, anything that you guys could uh, suggest to help, like, parents who are, you know, have a child like this who's coming home, doesn't want to go to school, maybe has stomach aches because they don't want to do school because it's, you know, they're afraid or they're not feeling good about it. Is there any things that you know of that help or what would help? Well, you know, some of the things that, especially with the bullying, um, I see a lot more, I, I do see it a lot in the social media aspect of it. So as a parent, to, you know, not, see where their kids are going on their, you know, I, I do believe in being as a parent, you can oversee what they're doing on their phones, what they're doing on the computer in your home. Or, I mean, I'd, so the, you know, like cyberbullying. I know, you know, just a couple of years ago that thing that started becoming huge, but it's the truth, you know, but at the same time you can shut it off. You know, you don't have to be on these websites. You don't have to be on Twitter. You don't have to be on Facebook. It's your choice, you know. Yeah. But at the so same time, as a, you know, for... 
I'm sorry. It's okay for parents. It's okay for parents to monitor that. I mean, there's always these things that this, you know, what are you doing in my room? You can't be in my room. You can't. I mean, it's okay for parents to monitor uh, what their kids are watching, how they're using the internet. You're saying that's important. I do believe so. I, I, my parents were. I mean, you know, it. Yeah, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but my my laptop or my computer was in a public place, so everybody knew what I was doing on it. Uh, did you like that? Were you feeling safer with people caring enough about you to um, kind of monitor you that way? At the time, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like you said, you had the you have the mindset of, you know, what are you doing? This is my stuff. This is my, you know, yeah. I could do what I want kind of deal. But, you know, as a parent, you, I do believe you could put your foot down and just say, hey, you know, for your own good, I know. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm doing you don't understand now, but you will later. I think in some ways kids that, you know, taking the time for parents to take the time to pay attention, to discipline them. I mean, we, I think our generation of parents right now is all into praise and in kudos and encouragement but they don't really, and they, they want to be a friend to their child rather than being a parent. Uh, and sometimes being a parent is tough love or, you know, saying no. And I think that's one of the big problems with parents these days. I mean, you have, okay, let's just, just divide this up a little bit. You've got the parents who want to do everything for their child and they don't want the child to have any of the, the difficulties, the hardships that they ever had on the one hand. And then you've got the other set of parents who don't even know they have kids, basically. Kids are being raised yep. by the television set, whatever. So um, these kids who are, you know, parents who are trying to be everything to their kid, give their child everything. Now, this is kind of flipping it a little bit, but what do you guys think about that? Um, Heather, what do you think about, you know, moms and dads that are overprotective or just, just doting on their kids, giving them everything, running themselves ragged to make sure that their child has every advantage? Does that really help the child's self-worth? What, what do you see that as doing? Um, not very <laughs> there's a lot of problems with it because then when the child is out on their own, they're not experienced with reality for themselves. And uh-huh. without having that experience of working through problems and working through life with someone helping you, I mean, parenting is kind of like teaching and there's gradual release. You need to yeah. be right next to them to teach them, to model, to show this is what it looks like. The first few times of working through a certain kind of problem, you do it together and then kind of step back and, all right, I'm going to give you some reins, but I'll be here if you need it because that's what life is going to bring. You, uh-huh. you, are, you are essentially alone with God, but you have to be able to stand on your own. And it goes back to what I said about the having your own relationship. You're not going to have someone else there to always tell you exactly what you should do and answer the yeah. questions for you as to why do you believe what you believe. And I, I think it can yeah. be very dangerous for kids to not get the chance to make mistakes or be able to struggle through a problem on their own. Exactly. Um, I agree. I believe that, yeah, there's a, there's, that is very true because um, they don't have any experience in of of working through the issue and and gaining the confidence in making good decisions if everything is done for them. Um, now, now talk to me, uh, either of you, Danny, you can start out with, with the kids who are kind of abandoned on their own kind of loose cannons. Uh, you know, they get to 
raise themselves, so to speak, or maybe they're busy raising their parents too, trying to keep everybody in the family happy or keep mom and dad married and together or keep them from fighting or maybe there's only one parent already there um, and they're trying to fill in the gaps for their parents, these kids that are kind of already taking an adult role. What do you say about them? Well, I see, well, and that's the other balance of, you know, you get the ones that do have the either, you know, single family, you know, single parent home or, you know, the parents that are so loosey-goosey that, you know, the child is basically the parent, you know, while mom and dad go out and party or, you know, dad, dad gets drunk and mom, you know, just sits there or something like that. But it's, uh, when you see those kind of kids coming into, uh, you know, coming into their own and wanting to step away, they have such a conflict with it because they feel they have the obligation to be the leader. So yeah. you know, in they, a way, they, it's... Uh, you think they feel like they're kind of, as you said, kind of a conflict. They're like maybe feeling like they're abandoning their family and that might be one of the problems. They never can really leave home without feeling guilty because somehow they've had to be the the parent or the the wise one um, or the the confidant for the parent or something. And I know this is not, I mean, everything is, everything, nobody is the same in terms of there's there's every possible option out there But uh, for how people are raised. But um, for these kids, you know, they never feel free to really be uh, who they are and feel good about it. So then what happens? Well, the sad part is you see those you you see the ones that when they finally do get on their own, when they finally get a you know, in a way get free from that burden, they almost go back to a childlike behavior on their own. You know, you, you yeah. see the you yeah. see the one coming out of the home. You know, should be eighteen, nineteen. You think would be a firm a firm leader and, a, you know, a person that is strong in, in, in where they stand because they had four to eight years of being the leader of the home and they want to, they want to be led. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. They're, they're trying to get the childhood, um, relive or gain back the childhood they never had. And I see this too sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, they'll just, They'll just lose it. They'll go off, and, and um, especially if they are married young or, or have children young, and they, they just abandon their own kids because they're now going to run around and do this party thing or the thing they never got to yep. do or whatever, yep. whatever. And so we get just kind of a mixture of things. So what we're kind of describing here is that anything can happen, and a lot of bad things can happen. And ultimately what's really the basic bottom line is I think what Heather said earlier is that your belief systems are being formed uh, your identity is actually being based on your belief systems. Your belief systems are coming out of what you've experienced. And, and if you put the devil in that mixture, um, it can get real messy real fast because he has an agenda for our young people and for their lives. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and self-esteem, knowing who you are is really, I mean, let's just go for a minute with that very simple concept of who am I and, and, and throw in there the, the whole idea of evolution and, can, you know, I know I didn't, you know, uh, what what has evolution done to the youth uh, and the children? I mean, it's, it's taught more as fact than theory. 
um, in a lot of the textbooks and things. What has that, has it done anything that you can see to um, undergird this kind of drifting away and inability to form their own uh, relationships with, with, with God and with themselves? Evolution, what do you have to say about it? Well, I see the a big difference between evolution and creation as far as where did we come from, what's the purpose of when you see evolution as being just this random happening, that there was never a purpose, it just seemed to happen. And I think that can really affect how a person views their existence, of your existence yeah. just was a happening. It was not planned, so there was no purpose in mind when they were born or created in the womb that you have to find your purpose for yourself, that your identity is whatever you figure it out to be instead of something that was created and designed for a purpose from before your beginning. And instead of seeing creation as being, it was a planned event by an almighty creator that has a plan for every single being and to to realize that that's just something that you need to find, that you need to discover by seeking the Lord and saying, why am I here? What is the purpose that I know there's one there, so I've got value, I've got worth. If I've been created, I automatically have worth. Instead of, yeah. well, I'm here, I don't know if I'm valuable I'm a- or not, but I'm existing, yeah. and that's that really affects the the idea of whether or not a person is valuable, and some are or some aren't. But if if you really can grasp the hold of creation, I believe you can grasp the hold of the fact that every single person who is in existence was created for a purpose, so automatically is worth something. And it's a lie to think that you're not. Well, and I think it's more than a lie. I think it's really a deliberate plot because evolution, yeah. like you just exactly said, makes me an accident. I'm a random, um, random chance, and there's and there's no valid- validating of my life by a supreme being or anyone else. I have to figure out what I'm worth myself, and there, there's no. Um, it's like you know everybody makes up their own currency, and and you're. you're dollar bills are worth a dollar and my dollar bills are worth, you know, 20 cents and, and somebody else's dollar bills are worth a hundred bucks. So you're making up your own currency. Absolutely. You're making up your own worth and value. And you can't do it like that because you can't, you can't function or do relationships that way. And I think um, if anything, evolution has been a deliberate plot to create a, a youth, a youth without vision and, and there's apathy and despair. They're without hope because ultimately what is the point? If there's no, if we don't know what Jesus said, I know who I am because I know where I came from. That's bottom line. And he, they said, yeah. well, how, you know, this is so and Jesus said, well, I, I know where I came from. I know who my father is. And, and then he told them, he says, you are of your father, the devil, which I thought was very, you know, you know, interesting. <laughs> um, I didn't know the devil had children. I mean, this was kind of news to me that, <laughs> okay, whatever, Jesus, you ought to know what you're talking about. And so, um, but, you know, how about you, Dan? What about what do you see with this uh, evolution? And and I know it's way back. It's come in. You know, it's been here for forty, fifty years. 
uh, if, if not longer than that. I can't remember when it was in 18-something. About the time the Civil Wars, I think, was started coming up with it. But it really took a, you know, a, a strong direction in our, in our society, our free thinking. We do what we want in society. What do you say about evolution, Dan? Well, I do, you know, I do believe, like you said, it, it is a distraction. You know, it is a distraction from what we were truly made for, and that was to love God. You know, it. But at the same time, you know, it's not just a distraction. The way they bring it across as such a truth, even though it's a false truth. It, you know, it sounds like the exact same stuff that Satan was doing to Jesus on the mountain. Yeah. Giving him false yeah. truth. You know. Yeah. Experience and getting him to partial scriptures. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, with evolution, I just can't get past the idea that evolution makes me of no worth, no consequence, no value. And if I have no consequences, then it doesn't matter what I do do either. I can live, yeah, I can just live my life the way I want. But really, seriously, when you get that, that kind of what I would call a soul rot, it's like something that's rotting inside of of that person, devaluing their life from the inside out. And, and destroying and, and taking away their destiny, uh, it's it's a kind of like a fatal disease in a way, unless we can bring in the healing and the revelation of what you found, Dan, when you were 15, that Jesus Christ gave you a life, gave you a purpose, gave you a direction, gave you a ministry of vision, meaning. Um, and I'm just scared for kids who don't have any a- access to God. Um and where are they going to find God these days? How how do you you know how do we get a hold of them? Well, how do we get a hold I, of them? I think well, one prayer. I mean, us as a, you know, as a, as a hardcore believer, we have to pray for future generations. Have to, you know, I I mean, I prayed for my own generation when I first got saved, and then I just kept praying for the generations after. Because you just see the work of the enemy getting stronger and stronger and stronger through the ages, but yet the hunger of the people, once they find Christ, and once they find their true identity in Jesus and then the Almighty God, they become fireballs and they change things. Uh But that's only through prayer. Yeah, I think it's through prayer, though, Dan, but it's also through your example. I think... People need to see models. They need to see examples. Paul says, be a follower of me as I am of Christ. And I don't know what the kids are seeing these days when they, I mean, maybe they can find it in a youth pastor or a a mentor or a big brother, big sister kind of thing, uh, or even a parent. But usually they're they're not too ready to dive into what their parents are doing. And they want their own faith, their own life, their own, you know, relationship. But you know, not not a lot of kids get to see uh, an on fire youth group or youth youth minister. Um, so, what's happening with these people who are you kids who don't even have the in their in their um, language words? They don't even know what God is, or um, you know what what heaven, hell, the devil. Do they even believe in it? I had one teacher. She was a teacher of a younger, um, I think an elementary class, she said one of her students came up to her after class or whatever and said to her, um, Mrs. So-and-so, she says, what What are all those X's on top of all those big steeples on those big buildings? What are those X's for? You know, a cross? 
she didn't even have words to tell me, you know, that she understood that there was a concept of cross, crucifixion, Jesus dying on the cross. So I, I really believe we're kind of coming into a generation that doesn't even have language to, um, some of them, to express what they're looking for or what they need. So can you guys talk a little bit about what you you think they might be believing about God? I mean, just if you want to take it from the point of view of the movies these days. I mean, um, I don't know if you've got to see some of the more recent movies, Son of God, Noah, um, God's Not Dead. Um, there's just been a kind of a rash of these movies. Um, what, do, what do kids think about God? Who is he? I mean, do they get it, their, where do they get their definition of God from? Heather, what do you say? Well, I think it's God and religion and anything that has to do with something that's not the tangible worldly aspect of living, uh-huh. it, it seems to be viewed as a separate item. Like it's it's a menu of things that you can have as part of your life, and God's one of them. But he's just oh, a wow. part instead of a an intricate part of everything, that he is how you make decisions. He is how you relate to people, that he, a relationship with God affects every single aspect of your life instead of just he's a menu item that you can choose or not choose to have or interact with or I might partake of him on Sunday, but for the rest of the week I think I'm going to partake of some other menu items and just leave him out of it. And that he's some sort of side part. Option. Yeah, he's an option. He's an option. He's an option that you can choose day to day and moment to moment whether or not you want to have him affect or be a guiding factor in what you're doing. So your 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 job then is is to get the kids to see him as more than a menu option or um uh you know an occasional you know hour out of my life kind of thing, but he is my life. He is he is the meaning, the purpose. He has what's given me life. He's my Heavenly Father. And, but, you know, with so many other things to distract them and confuse them, uh, including, you know, media, movies, music, music, there's another one for you. I mean, mm-hmm. programmed. People are being so programmed that this is a huge job for people like yourselves who are, seeing this and and you know maybe your hands are a bit tied maybe there maybe in some venues you can be more free to preach and teach um danny what do you think about god on the menu i I think it's true you know i i I think it you know we're in the we're in such a fast living cage that if it doesn't catch your attention within the first three to five seconds you can move on to something else so it's like you gotta you gotta reach these you know, the, the younger generation in a way that they understand. And that's, in a way, like coming right out and being bold with them. And if you have the opportunity, if you have the, you know, if you have the chance to, if you have the openness, and it also really does depend on, you know, where you're at and what your setting is because the things are becoming so PC that the, to even mention Jesus in some places is wrong. You know, to even mention God the Creator, it's wrong. You know, and it, it, it's kind of sad yeah. knowing that he. I'm yeah. sorry. You're saying PC as in politically correct, right? Yeah, it's been. I mean, we're go go. It's becoming so 
it is. It's becoming so politically, you know, politically correct that the everything, to, you know, you can believe anything and everything you want. But the moment you mention a creator, the moment you mention Christ, Yahweh, or you know, Jesus, the Messiah, you're mm-hmm. you're shunned. <laughs> you know, you're 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 pushed away yeah. of going. Don't give me none yeah. of that. But yeah, and with who the younger generation, to, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I said you know, who with wants the younger to be generation. Shunned. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, who does want to be shunned? But at the same time, of going, you know, if you want to speak truth, if you want to, you know, tell people about Christ, if you want to see a younger generation come to know Him, they haven't been skewed so much that they have walls up. You know, they have. They don't have the baggage that comes along like some of these, you know, some of the other elders in the church and stuff like that. So it's like to be able to reach them at a young age, you know, help them find Christ in the Word. You know, help them find that that spark that you were created. Well, it's, it, it sounds like you know, like um, I think everybody's being programmed um, to be quiet about Jesus. To kind of keep it under wraps to be politically correct. And that starts probably with the adults too. So it's almost like we're walking around ashamed. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yep. And yet um, if we give that example to the kids, if we're on fire, if we're zealous, if we, if we got the relationship, I mean, it, it they'll see it, they'll get it. Uh, and then they'll want it. But if we all walk around with, you know, Jesus as kind of a, uh, we've got to be careful, you know, not to, you know, say something that will offend somebody. And you already got kids that are so sensitive to peer pressure and what people are thinking that this is just um, really actually the, the way to fight it is what you're saying is to be bold, um, to be right oh, yeah. out there, to be sensitive to your environment, but to be bold. I mean, they had to, yeah. they had to put John on an island yeah. to get him to shut yeah. up. And, Paul was, and even then, he, yeah, and he's Paul still was speaking. Talking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Paul was causing riots. I mean... You know, these guys were zealous for Jesus, and uh, everybody knew when they were in town. You know, it wasn't like we're going to be careful here. So, But, um, yeah, hey, I think we're going to do a, a commercial break right now. And, you know, speaking about evolution, um, and, you know, we did a, a whole series, a, a DVD on what is life, and it addresses that whole issue of evolution. And with it, we did a, a, a teaching manual or a student's handbook manual, whatever you want to call it, of what is life. It's very cool. It's got a lot of these kind of questions in it. Be perfect for a youth uh, group to look at and help the kids because once you know that you've come from God and that God is real, you still have to give the, give an answer to others because people still don't know what, what you're talking about or, or, you know, why they should believe it. But So let's just hear that commercial right now about what is life. What is we'll be life? right back. Where does it come from? Where does it end? Is it merely a sequence of random events thrown together? Is it of any significance? Or is it just there, a dash between two dates carved on a cemetery stone? Does it count? Does it last? What's it worth? Does it matter? Is evolution a plausible explanation for the existence of man? Does the Genesis record give us an accurate account of the origin of man? Or are there other valid arguments that can explain the origin of human life? Were we planned from the foundation of the world? 
Or were we an accident, an amoeba emerging out of primordial slime? And what is the ultimate significance of a life born by accident or of no one being there? If we are nothing but the result of random chance and fortunate mutations to the nth power, who cares? And if we are of no significance in our birth, then life is of little value and to die is the same as to live. Yeah, and for our listeners who might be interested in picking up that uh, DVD, What is Life for Your Teenagers, it's a 55-minute DVD, awesome, awesome music and footage, etc., and or the manual, check us out at our website, www.liferecovery.com. It is totally the tools for anybody who's working with kids and com- combating evolution. Hey, um, the Roving co-host has just arrived um, Jerry Cole, and so he's going to say hi, and um, now you guys are going to be facing two of us. So here's Jerry for a second. <laughs> okay. Hello out there, all you Resco Radio listeners, and also uh, Dan and Heather. Welcome. Thank you. You guys hey. are doing a great job. Thanks. We really appreciate your insights. Now the really hard questions come. <laughs> oh, no. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll bring it on. I'll bring it on. So uh, you guys are really uh, sharing a lot of wisdom with us. I've been here uh, listening for a while, and um, I just wanted to say, you know, with 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 reaching, you know, into the lives of of kids today, uh, let, let's just kind of look at kind of the um, the the church youth ministry approach. Okay, um, you know. We we all it's like okay you you've got uh, the the issue how do how do we get to the kids okay um, there's all kinds of you know we try to say okay we're going to do concerts we're going to go and I know youth pastors used to hang out at schools quite a bit like at lunch hour and try to build some relationships and stuff like that but um, and and I know there's the uh, what, what do you see do you feel that what what is really a key way to reach them? Now some say you know we got to have big concerts, we got to have the newsboys in, or pizza. something like that. Um, you know pizza parties. Um, you know I mean that, that sounds a little trite, but there's a lot of things where people, uh, you know, reaching kids. It's it's kind of event oriented. Now is this old fashioned? Now is this really people are saying that's working? It's not working. Um, what, 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 what do you see as the approach like youth ministries in churches are taking to, to target, uh, youth, say not, uh, youth actually, you know, outside the involvement of the, uh, local church. So, uh, Dan, you want to just take that on and then Heather, you can, uh, come on in on that. Yeah. You know, I mean, you mentioned the, the outreaches and the pizza parties and the, you know, bringing in bands and stuff. I mean, there's a time and a place. Um, I mean, you, you look at a lot of these big, you know, these big events like ATF or, you know, uh, Rock River and stuff like that. that I do believe they reach people. But when it comes to, like, just straight youth group, um, it it depends on the size, you know, the size of the churches, the size of the, the youth group in general. 
um, you, you start getting into these bigger youth groups, and you can't really get that intimate setting. It's more of the concert feel. You know, you get the big worship session along with the, you know, just pre-catch you met as a wrap-up altar call versus the smaller churches, you know, that just have basically youth group out of a home or a garage. Or, you know, I mean, it depends on where you're at. But, um, you know, I think for, to me, I see one of the biggest things, especially to reach multiple youth, is just show them worth. And a lot of the churches that I've seen that are successful at that are the smaller groups, you know, doing the small groups outside of Wednesday night or Monday night youth group, you know, getting together on a different night, having coffee, sitting down, having that one-on-three or the one-on-six or the one-on-eight session. Uh-huh. Yeah. How, how about you, Heather? No. What do you see? And Go ahead. I see with having the large events or the concerts or the attention grabbers as being valuable huh? to to counteract that idea that serving God or people who are believers in God are boring and the only uh-huh. fun that you can have is not things that, in, that include God in them. That it's a good way to show that God's people are fun <laughs> and can have fun and can laugh and be I guess joyful yeah joyful yeah. normal it, it depends on where they're coming from but the yeah. important thing of coming back always to why you're there I think there can be uh-huh. a tendency sometimes to just go with the hype and see see Jesus is fun and then there maybe will be a 10 minutes actually about Jesus in the entire two hours, that the focus still needs to come back to him and go, we're having Uh fun, but this is why we're here. And we can have clean fun that is still worshipful and you can interact with friends and, you know, you're not... Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But but it is like it draws people in. But the thing is, and, and it's kind of a it's very difficult, actually, because you've got to balance or uh, integrate this big, you know, encouragement. We're normal. It's fun. Jesus is good. You know, we're having a great time. Then pulling them into a more reflective kind of personal uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, um, I, you know... I, I have to hand it to you guys. It's not an easy job pulling these kids. I mean, it's like teaching in the school or in the youth group. It's just really tough to counteract all of the the, the questions and, and, and what those questions might be. And speaking of questions, guys, I'm going to give out the phone number for any of you listening out there or in the chat rooms. If you want to call in and ask your question, we really are here for you. So if you have a parent, uh, if you're a parent uh, with a kid, a child, that you have a question you want to ask Heather or Danny something, um, Here's the number, 347-215-8051. I'll say it again, 347-215-8051. Give us a call and let us um, either, you know, give us a question or give us a comment. Let us know what you're thinking about this because I, as I'm talking with you, I'm just seeing more and more how complex and, 
and difficult this is. And like you said way in the beginning, Dan, it also goes, starts out with Heather, too. It really starts with prayer, intercession. I think that intercession needs to be very specific just for the specific child, too. I mean, not just, you know, pray that we have a good night tonight at the youth group kind of thing, but really praying through for na- names of individuals in their specific yeah. individual dilemmas and and that means taking time to know them and that will probably speak to them more than anything else um what, what you would know, you like to say well yeah sorry i mean i don't mean to cut you off but I, I do believe especially if you're you know if there's a person or somebody listening that is a youth leader start you know pre- take the list of names of the kids that you are leading and individually pray for them you know, just say, Jesus, I pray for Tom, or I pray for Jimmy, or I pray for so-and-so, and get deep with those. I mean, you know, yeah, it's not because you haven't you, you haven't gotten it, because you haven't asked for it. You know, ask, you can knock, he says. And, yeah. I mean, that you know, when I first came into this youth group, my, my job was to pray. My job wasn't to lead. Oh. You know, and, I mean, I, I spent a year like a year and a half under different youth leaders. And during that whole time, I was praying for them and the kids. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you got to know them. Oh. And I think, you know, that's the mm-hmm. same advice you probably would give to parents. Know your children. Know yep. what issues, what lies they're struggling with. Like, for example, maybe their concept of God or is God good or, you know, I mean, even nowadays there's so much uh theology out there about God too. I mean, not just is there an issue of who I am, it's who God is and is God good? Is he is he mad? Is he, you know, sending people to hell? Why does he let all this bad stuff happen constantly? I mean, God gets to be kind of um I don't know, picked on himself or made to look bad of course by the devil. So when you are praying for someone, you do take time to say, Okay, what do you believe about God? Let's all write down our little you know, one sentence of what, who is God? What is he like? And, um, and you know, then start from there. Because I think if you've got the basics, who is God what, and why am I here? So, Heather, what do you got to say about, you know, praying individually for kids? Anything um, to add to what Dan's saying? Well, I agreed with what he was talking about with the relationship and that when you're praying for each individual kid that you have a focus directly on them and even letting them know that you are individually praying for them specifically that it's not just you praying for the youth group and I pray for all of you but I pray specifically for you and how much that can mean to a kid that that relationship aspect is vital when they're trying to build an identity and find out what their identity is, they got to look for a model to follow. They're looking for somebody to emulate and somebody that will show them what real living is. Yeah, and that can be real with them. And they can see you no matter what situation you're in. Good, bad, they see you in so many that they can see that you are consistent, that when there's trouble, that you actually even talk to them and say, you know what, I had this issue today or this week, and this is what I had to do about it, that you're not perfect, that you have struggles, and that this is how you handle it. And 
giving yeah. them that model to follow is so important in that relationship and not just dropping them because that can be a problem with even the big events that we were talking about, that we have these altar calls but then no follow-up. And yeah. then that's yeah. just feeding into the abandonment and the nobody really yeah. cares enough about me as a, an individual and that I am actually special enough for you to take time out of your day to think about me, mm-hmm. to pray about me, to talk to me and ask yeah. me particularly how I am. And paying attention, mm-hmm. and even for parents, so pay attention to what your kids are doing and ask them follow-up questions. So how was your time with this friend that you're paying attention and that you notice when they speak to you and what they tell you and referring back mm-hmm. to that? Because I found quite a few yeah. kids at school that, They'll tell me events or they'll tell me things that they're going to do that weekend. And then on Monday I ask them, so how was your party with your cousin? Did you enjoy the chocolate, you know, heart cake that you got, you said you were going to do? And they go, oh, uh, it was really great. You actually remembered that. And it meant something. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's like you said, you know, at at these big events and altar calls and people, they're they're lost, then they come, they give their heart to Jesus, and then they get lost again in the crowd. They yeah. get swallowed back up in the, in the, you know, the bigness of it all. And when you're doing, when you're being, like you said, transparent, showing an individual attention to them, um, telling them how you got through a struggle, um, I think that's, the, that's real life. That's really genuine because a lot of kids are sick of being lied to. And if there's anybody that can spot a phony it is a kid. It's oh, it's a youth. Oh, they look great right for you. Radar for it, you know. And so, not wanting to go feed ahead, into that yeah. possibility of them feeling all by themselves again. Like you said, of yeah. just you come to Jesus and then you get swallowed up, and now you got to do this all by yourself, and not yeah, having that very... mentor, that person there to guide them, yeah. and how easy it it would be for them to just fall back and going, "This is way too hard." I can't do this on my own. I have no idea what I'm doing. And no exactly. one seems to really care that I don't know what I'm doing. You know, and, and if it's something they're really motivated to do, I'm just thinking of oh, these 16-year-olds who get their license, they're going to learn to drive a car, and they're excited to do the behind the wheel, and they're excited to do, they're, they're willing to do anything to get to drive the car. I mean, take this class, that class, play this money, do this, take this, you know, permit test. They're just, they're, because they want to do it, and they don't want to not know how to do it when they get a chance to do it. You know, so it's like, well, you say, here's how you get saved. Here's what, here's what you do. You do this, this, and this, and here's the word of God, and it's blah, blah, blah. But if they don't get any instruction in it and you expect them to walk the walk of a believer, it's like, okay, you throw the child yeah. in the car and says, here, just drive. Just go drive. You can do it. Just drive. You know, and they don't know the rules. They don't know how to work the car. They want to. They really want to. It's not a matter of lack of motivation, but they just don't have any any instruction. Um, so, you know, going back to kind of that sort of thing and with, the, um, you know, individually developing a relationship with them one at a time, what are some of the questions that kids most times are struggling with in terms of, you know, God, the devil, heaven, hell, uh, judgment, sin, end of the world, whatever? What are some of the big issues that come up often, you guys? I see a lot of theological issues. Like, if you get a kid that's, like, you know, that's deep into, you know, I mean, deep into youth group and been raised, and, you know, depending on how they've been raised, you know, like, underneath their parents' theology, 
and you start talking yeah. other kind of theology that kind of doesn't mess with the theology that they have. They are actually knowledgeable about that. No one to know. You know, give me an example of, you know, okay, you know, you got a kid who's been raised on a pre-trib, and then you got, okay. you know, you preaching post-trib. Like, how do you, you know, like these kids will call it out and go, what What are you talking about? What does this mean? Or, you know, like, what, so, what's the white throne of judgment, you know? So do a lot of kids worry about the end of the world or pre, post, mid, trip? Do they know these terms and what we're talking about here? Some. I, I mean, not, you know, not all. Uh, but uh, you could tell the ones that that are raised in the household that, you know, do talk about these theological, you know, theological things. They'll, you know, they'll ask the questions. And, you know, some, you know, a lot of them that I run into aren't scared. They're just full of questions. They want to uh-huh. know, you know, and a lot of times, I mean, especially when it comes to theology, it's like we could, you know, we could believe what we want to believe, but we all, in, in the end, really do not full out know, you know, what what Jesus is going to do. I mean, you yeah, could go to the Word, but, you know, there's so many different translations of what pre- or post-trib could be that uh-huh. we only, the only thing we can do is just go, you know, as long as I know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior and he died on the cross for me, I got my eternal assurance either way. Well, you know, one thing we do know about the end, the, the whatever it is of the promises of God, and there are many, but I just happened to see this one tonight before we started the show uh, in, in return, regard to generations and what God is going to do because, you know, there's a lot of talk about what is God going to do. In Psalm 102, yep. it says, verse 12, But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and the remembrance of your name to all generations. You will arise Mm. and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. And then in verse 18, he goes on and says, "Um, This will be written for the generations to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. So we really have a promise from God that there will be generation after generation coming forward that will continue to be known by him and praised, um, remembered, um, and he will have mercy on them. And not that we're wrapping the show up with this, because, but, but the thing is, um, each generation is a new challenge. Uh, each, each, I mean, just think about it. I mean, we all come up out of the same kind of a snake pit sort of experience. The enemy is trying to throw everything at us to get us to be confused and, and, and discouraged and, and give up and get apathetic and get distracted. So, um, Jerry's got a question here. Yeah, uh, Danny and Heather, you can either one can respond or both. Um, you know, the, it's just along the same line about the awareness of what's going on in our world. You know, I mean, everything is, you know, the news. The there's so much information coming at us so fast. You know, Facebook, yeah. internet, Twitter, everything. All this information got access to all this stuff and, and all this stuff that's happening you know we got the wars and the earthquakes and the natural disasters and just general you know the flow of information of uh, informing us of problems and crisis and the environment has fallen apart and you know there's war here and war there uh, do you see the in the kids that you're working with i mean how i mean are where they they are they of this sort of, you know, of what's going on. I mean, are they attuned 
to any of these, you know, these these types of events, national events, political events, that sort of thing? Are they attuned there, and are they just really? It's like, is there an attitude of like, you know, uh, what's you know, what's the use? I mean, you know, might as well just you you meet some kids and say, well, what's the use? The world's so screwed up, and well, I'm just going to throw my life away. Um, uh, do you just want to respond to, you know, are you finding kids that are how, what at what depth are they thinking in those terms, and uh, how do you feel that's uh, just the general world conditions are affecting them? You know, it was a fifth grade class that I teach. We we watch CNN news, so like kids CNN news in the morning, and so it gets them an idea of what's going on all around the world, like that last week, or they they take the main news stories and uh-huh. turn them into kids' language so they can see what's going on. And we can have conversations about them. And I think it's uh-huh. really good that they're aware because it's so easy to just forget that the there's different things going on in the rest of the world than in their little corner. Yeah. But yeah. the sense at least that I get from the younger kids is that they're not really super clued into the fact that it has anything to do with them. That because it's happening uh-huh. over there, if it's not yeah, happening sure. here, it's not important. It's, oh, wow, that's too bad. Or it, it's not anything that yeah. should change how you think, how you act, what you do, what you don't do. It, it's, if it's not an immediate connection to them, they can yeah. talk about it, but it's an outside issue. It's an over there and an for those people and them and not anything that yeah. can be connected to them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's kind of irrelevant for them, but that's an interesting insight because yeah. at this point, you know, it's still kind of little in their brain formations and I mm-hmm. don't think they have that ability to form those kind of concepts of, of um, community and, and cooperation and responsibility. But um, that is really interesting uh, and, and probably a safeguard for them, too, because if they started realizing that this was the world they are living in, um, they might freak out. But on the other hand, I know a lot of times, you know, kids have been really overtaught or well-taught uh, to be be aware of their environment, you know, not to go riding with strangers and take candy from people they don't know and, and you know, look out for this and that. And I think a lot of times with our various ways we try to keep them safe, we actually maybe make them anxious. Um but when you get to the older kids, do they get jaded? Do they get kind of, um, you know, uh, sick of hearing about it or what? Or don't they care anymore? You know, or do they try to? There's a mix of them. You know, so it, I, I, see, I see a mix. Um, more often than not, though, they are, you know, once they start coming into the youth age of, you know, like 7th, 8th, ninth grade, um, uh-huh. they're starting to get, that more you know more knowledge of what's going on around them, and then when when it comes to you know know who or what what's happening, it's no longer of you know just because it's over there doesn't mean it affects me. It's the more of all right if this is supposed to affect me, how you know I got uh-huh. I, I love having conversations with kids in the youth group about you know all right you know this stuff happening in Ukraine and Russia is like. You know, having conversations with these kids are going, do you, do you understand, you know, this is 
part of what is being talked about in Revelation and connecting yeah. that, you know, all this stuff that's happening in the world today back to the word of going, it was already spoken of, yeah. you know, right. and then trying to so, get them to figure out the puzzle pieces. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's giving credibility to the word of God. If you, if you or someone like you can point out the prophetic words or the, how they're matching yeah. up with, with the Bible is, is saying, and I think that's one of the things that I don't know if we've spoke a lot about it so far, but getting kids grounded in the word and that they can learn to read the word for themselves. Um, yes. You know, what What do you say about that, you guys? I preach that constantly. I preach the word. Uh-huh. I, I preach, read it, take it in, you uh-huh. know, put it on your cell phone so you have it everywhere you go. I mean, it, yeah. I mean that's the one cool thing about these new phones these days. All the kind of apps that you could get and put on your phone, you better have a Bible app on there somewhere. You know, I tell kids all the so time: if you come to YouTube with no Bible physically, it better be on your phone. <laughs> and do you check them out? You know, let me see your app. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I do. Let me see yeah. your app. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What version are you using? But you know the things. How do you well, get them to to want to believe that it's really something that's important? What do you? How do you say it to them? What do you say? Why should I read the Bible? Oh, we got so much other stuff to. You, how do you preach the well, Bible? Like you, said, if you, you 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 make it relevant to them. You know, you okay. like we were talking about this a few minutes ago. Like taking what's going on around us right now bringing it back to the word of going, it, it was our, this was already spoken of, so it shouldn't scare us. You know, he's already, you know, this, this place for us, we shouldn't, you know, be surprised if another thing pops up. Oh, yeah, you know, somebody else is going to war. It's like there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, you know. So it's like it's right there plain sight. So if you put, you know, you start bringing this word into it, and preaching the true word towards them, but then also having them go, how about you take a news story that you just heard, bring it to the yeah. word, and come back to me next, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday night and tell me where you saw that in the word. Yeah. Yeah, you know? so you're, you're tying the two together, the news events and the word of God, and so they're seeing that the word is living, active, powerful, and, you know, prophetic. And as an authority, because it's it's coming to pass. Um, and when they do that, what happens to them when they connect those dots? That's when you see God revelation happen. You know, they start okay. seeing the living word of God. Yeah. They don't just see a couple of pieces of paper in a leather-bound binding. They see yeah. a living, breathing word that was spoken forth way before our time. What kind of temptations do these kids get into or have? You know, that of course we're going to face those kinds of opportunities that the, the devil will present to drive drive us away, drag us away, seduce whatever. When it comes to these kids walking out their faith, what kind of um, challenges do they meet? Either of you can go think, ahead. <laughs> well. If we're talking about using the word and the, how valuable it is, that it's it's a tool that they can use for any kind of decision making that they're 
it's the model, yeah, right. it's the source of a model. You know, you, you've got so many, so many people that are, their stories are present in the word from Old Testament all the way to New Testament that they're put in there as a model. You know, these are real people that struggled through real things and what, how they responded and what they did to get them through these times is model after model after model, example and example of how God came through and how he came through for these people who were nobody special in anybody else's eyes. They didn't somehow do anything to earn special privileges of actually having God do anything for them or be there for them. That It's a, a model to show that they know that God will be there for them and that he has answers for them. And that if they believe that the word is true, then what they read in it is their truth and is their, their evidence, you know, and, um, so they use and the word then. Says, yes, it's they, the source. They use of, the word to make their decisions. Is what you're saying? Yes, that it, it's it's a way to use what he's already said and what he's already done to help inform decisions, even for life in modern time, because it's so yeah. basic. <laughs> you know, yeah. his truths exactly. are eternal. They are basic. They are a root of following following his way and getting through life brilliantly uh, <laughs> in him of not just dragging yourself through and you barely are scraping by, that he makes a way for you to be able to go through life with joy, life. And if you're confused about things, you don't know what to do and there's nobody around at that moment to help you, he's got the answer for you already. And being able to have your your reasons for why you believe what you believe right there. Yeah. In school we yeah. talk about if you're going to be making a claim, you better have your evidence to back it up. Where did you find that and why would you think that? <laughs> you better have a reason. And the word is your source of evidence. Not just, you know, yeah. your your life, too, that your testimony mm-hmm. is also evidence. But yeah. there's thousands of years of evidence and proof yeah. of other people's testimonies yeah. that coincide with yours. That, you know what, this is what he did for me, and he also did it for this person and this person and this person and this person, and he's always come through. There's nobody and that you're not behind. Yeah. You yeah. are not yeah. alone, yeah. and you're not the only one that's struggling through things. Yeah, yeah, you're not alone. It's really cool to, I think that there's a community of believers and a fellowship of believers that's gone on for many, many generations. People have lived and died and believed, totally believed, that Christ was worth living for. He was worth dying for. And um, this is the this is the the power uh, of the the faith that we have, the anointing, and and it, it's a living word. It's awesome. And I mean, for myself, I just the word is life. I mean, to live as Christ, yeah. but eating the word, believing the word is is just amazing. Um, Jerry, did you have something you want to add? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I really, you guys are just sharing so much great wisdom here about, um, you know, the word of God as a, as a tool for decision making, like you've said, about how you see in the word how people that were facing struggles and obstacles and all 
you know, things concerning their future. And, you know, you can see what happened when they sought the counsel of God and obeyed and, and when, when they did not seek the counsel of God and disobeyed and the consequences of yeah. all that. So that that's really good. I mean, just, just showing them that this word of God is not just a bunch of gobbledygook. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's just about a bunch of stuff you can't understand. It's just, it's right there for me right now in decision making. Now another thing too, and did yeah. okay, yeah. can I have one more question? Yeah, there's a caller waiting though. There's a caller waiting. I will be quiet and take the well, caller. We'll, we'll put you on pause and you come. You wait. put me on pause. Okay. All right. <laughs> Don't so. delete me. <laughs> no, you won't be deleted, honey. You're, okay. You're, All right. You're too big to be deleted. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, the mother from Road to Re- Matthew. Sorry. Oh, I can't read writing here. Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Are you there? Hey, I'm not a mother, Hello, but I, I, th- I thank you so much for taking my call. <laughs> Matthew, I, sorry, I, it was. I, we're reading through writing through windows and walls, and yes, here, Matthew. We're happy to have you. What's your question, Matthew? Or do you have a comment? Actually, I have a couple questions, and uh, and I guess the first question was to Dan, and I noticed, I just happened to join in. Um, I, I also have a show on Blog Talk. It's called What is the Gospel and What It Ain't, and we just did an outreach for teens, and I noticed your show, and so, Dan, my question would you, the host asked you a question, and I maybe I missed it, but I, I didn't necessarily grab your answer. She said, how do you... How do you relate to these teens? How, because I'll be honest with you, Dan, the ones that I, I've, I've dealt with, I was a police officer seven years, then I ended up going to prison. And so my, the ministry that God has put on our hearts now is to reach these kids before they start making decisions that I made. And um, so how, how, do you, how do you literally reach them? How, I noticed that you said that, you know, you, 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 sh- I, actually, I don't even remember what you said. So how do you find <laughs> it, the ability, how do you find the ability to be able to, because so many teens, when I ask them, I say, well, you know, what do you believe in? Who is God to you? What is the gospel? They can't even answer those questions, yet half of U.S. teens attend church every week. That's disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, That's good true. question. That is true. You know, I, I agree with you on that one, you know, and, I mean, the you know, the examples that, well, I'm not going to give any examples or anything like that, but for me to relate with these kids or to help them, you know, understand the word, you know, it's just having that, you know, having that true fellowship with them, you know, finding out where they're at, how how you can help them, you know, where in the point that, in the, at the point where they're at, right, where they're at. And then, so basically, you, know, you want to establish the word. Basically, um, you're trying right? to establish a, like almost like a common ground because I, we have seen yeah. we we've seen it very dangerous to try to go in and try to sit down and I heard you also say, well, come back next week and show me where you found that or or, or something to that. And I'm loosely paraphrasing you. The the dangerous the danger in that statement is, and what so many people fail to r- realize is, we may be at that exact moment when we run into that child, youth, teen, adult, senior yeah. citizen. We may be their li- last lifeline. What if they don't come yeah. back next week because they die in their sin? 
No, I see what you're saying. No, that's you know what I'm saying? No. So, so yeah. my concern would be how developing ways to relate to them, but don't have fear of offending them for the yeah. sake of the gospel. And we shouldn't. We shouldn't have you know? that fear. Yeah. No, you you got to grasp something, man. I mean, it, it, I like I I do believe being able to you know read a person at that moment, see where they're at, and yet you know try to you know, try to relate to them the importance of what the gospel is on a level that they understand it at that time. Right, I, I can I can grasp that, and, and I and I respect that, and I hope that uh, that we as leaders um, in in the community will begin to focus because we can't blame we can't blame these teens, these ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, no. fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years. No, I, I we have to go back and look at the generation that raised those teens that will stand in church and raise their hands up to God on Sunday while giving the finger to the guy that cusses them out and, or, or blocks them off in traffic on Monday. <laughs> and then promising... Yes, uh, go ahead, Matthew. Go ahead. I'm going to oh. comment. Oh, that's okay. And, and then professing that they're a Christian and their Christian values are being taught to their children. When we, when I look at, I did, we did some study in, in our last outreach um, two weekends ago, 960 960 teens will cut themselves in the next two hours. Six mm-hmm. teens will commit suicide. Now, something is drastically wrong with the generation that thinks that dying, dying is a better reality than truth. When do yep. we take a stand? When do we stand up and say, you know, enough is enough, enough of this sugar-coated gospel, enough of this watered-down message, enough of the fear of offending somebody? When do we take a stand? And and you know, so the, the, those are my questions. I don't mean to take over your show. Sometimes no, I you said it, you said it right there. Hey, to water down the word, please don't want sugar coating. Yeah, like well, you know, we were talking about it earlier. You, they see right through a lie. You have to relate to them. You have to be there for them, and, and at that moment, because that moment could be lost if all you do is go, "Hey, thanks for coming to youth group. See you next week." Right, you know? and 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 but, I appreciate you know, I appreciate yeah. your answers, yeah. Dan. And 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 again, I'll leave you guys with this. I find it absolutely amazing. Uh, in this outreach, I my, I have a 12 year old myself. There is nothing that amazes me more. We've developed kind of a strategy how we because we. Some of the teens that we've we've dealt with in the last couple months have been ones that say, you know what, I'm pretty smart up here, so you know I'm not going to believe we because that word believe is so dangerous because we can believe whatever we want. We can believe we can say that we're a Christian, and, and I had a lady once tell me I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for 40 years, but I don't believe in hell. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. what does your what, what, how much value does your belief have? So we, we my my son and I we develop, we we talked about this and he does it every time. We matter of fact, just yesterday we were in a grocery store and I and I'll end with this. I promise. Um, we no, no. ran into somebody that has listened to the radio show and said, "Matt, I love your show." Um, but you know, I, I've got a PhD, and I'm gonna believe what what what, what my mind says, and I'm gonna believe, believe on on what I've been taught and stuff like that. My family values. 
I didn't even get a chance to speak. My 12-year-old stu- stepped in front of me and said, oh, yeah, you, want, you believe? Okay, let's, let me ask you something. Spell the word shop. And he said, now this is a Ph.D. He said, S-H-O-P. So my son says, what do you do at a green light? He said, well, duh, you stop. My son looked at him with a strange eye, and he said, if you stop at green light, you're going to end up dead. And then he said, do you spell, he said, spell silk. And he said, S-I-L-K. And he said, what do cows drink? He said, milk. My son said, they don't drink milk. They drink water. They produce milk. Now, you said you're a Ph.D. Do you see how dangerous it is on leaning on your own understanding, which the Bible says not to Bible do? Bible, yeah. And the guy uh, you know, instantly related. Now, this was a 55-year-old man that had a Ph.D. relating with a 12-year-old. Wow. Well, that's what we need to true. do. We need to get in people's face and not be afraid to, 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 of the enemy that says, oh, he's going to beat you up, or he's going to cast you aside, or he's not going to believe what you're going to say. We need to be obedient to God and go take the gospel to every living creature. Thank you. That's well, all. Jesus, Amen. Matthew, I want to say something too. I like what you're saying because you have to train these kids, these 12 year olds, these 15 year olds, to know how to defend their faith. And it's not, you know, obviously, it's, you know, I, re- I relate to what Dan is saying about doing a relationship, building that this one on one, the personal. But at the same time, I, I believe, from my point of view, from our generation, the parent generation, we need to repent for the, all Amen. the lies that we have taught these kids and never apologize to them. For the lies, we just keep mixing more truth and lies together until, you know, you've got a gospel that's so mixed up that, that they don't know how to defend it because they don't even know what it is. Like you said, they don't know if they believe in heaven or hell or God or, you know, reincarnation. And, you know, the passion that you have in your voice and, and developing a strategy, I'm, I'm really interested in developing a strategy. Um, and, and Dan and I, were, and Heather too, are going to get around to, um, this is my passion to train them as, as sharpshooters for the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. to know like what they believe, why they believe it. That's what we did, this What is Life documentary. Um, mm-hmm. Because you can't have kids. They will reach the kids. They're the ones who are going to have to reach their peers, the 960 Absolutely. that are cutting themselves every two hours. That's a cry for help, but that's done in secret, and the only ones who's probably going to know about it is their best friend. And so Absolutely. whatever you're doing. Absolutely, yep. and, you, and you said something so right on point, and I appreciate it, but we have to realize, you said we need to be sharpshooters, but you know, I, I find it very interesting and, and to say, make a statement like this. Um, if we're not straight shooters with a pistol, God's never going to give us a rifle. <laughs> Well, you know, and he wants the right gospel preached, and you said your show is uh, what is the gospel um, and what, and it, what ain't. it ain't. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that is, like, that is, believe it or not, guys, that is the bottom line right now. That is where the battle is being raged and waged. Jesus brought it down yeah. uh, when, he, when he came after the Pharisees, what the gospel is, what the gospel ain't. And we've got the same battle going on. And our kids are confused because they're getting a lot of gospel at various churches, denominations, versions of, you know, the, our, you know pet beliefs, whatever. And they're not solid in what Jesus said in the Word of God. And um, that's because there's so much division, divisiveness, d- demons, you know, demonic lies, whatever you want to call it. So I've said my two cents worth. Um, Matthew, hey, why don't you do me a favor and before you um, drift off into the big old world out there and we never see you again or hear from you. Why don't you leave uh, your phone number, contact number? We can chit-chat more a little. Oh, she says she's already got it. All right. Yeah, so we wanna, absolutely. Yeah. It's 813-973-7777. Nine, <laughs> nine, seven, 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 seven. 
And your radio show again, why don't you give us a little commercial for that? For your oh, well, I appreciate that. You can find us on the web, www.roadtoredemptionministries.com, and, or on Blog Talk at uh, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash road to redemption. Road to redemption. Do you have an open line or a, um, a night? Absolutely. Absolutely. In? Our studio line is 424-258-9288. And we're on the and air. When- um, we're on the air Tuesdays uh, and Fridays at 8 p.m., and then we just started a new show that we're getting ready to go on XM and Cirrus um, called Conversational Theology. That'll start May the 1st uh, from 7 in the morning until 9 in the morning, Monday through Friday. Awesome, awesome. Well, maybe we'll have to get you on the show, too, and you can you can continue on our subject of what uh, – oh, let's see. We got, it, gear, we got your phone numbers again? Yeah, yeah. Could you give us uh, your studio number once again, please? Sure. The studio number is 424-258-9288. And those, that, that, that is live when we're on the air. But you can reach me anytime at, here at my office at 813-973-7777. And I am in Wesley Chapel, Florida, oh, just like outside of Tampa. Okay. Well, this is awesome. And, you know, um, I really believe one more thing with all of you on is that it is time for the true believers in Jesus Christ to unite to create this safety net or this gathering net to bring in these youth. Because it says in the Bible that in Malachi, it says the very last verse in the last days before the coming of the Lord, that that there will be a drawing together, a returning of the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And I believe that that is one of the end time signs that we have not yet seen, obviously. And it's the very last verse as it says... um, um, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And here goes back to the curse, back to the lies, back to the things we've done to our yep. children. So, Matthew, we'll talk to you again soon, and if you uh, want to call in later tonight, you sure can do that too. Jerry, you were put on pause a little while ago. God bless you, Matthew. Thanks for calling. God bless. Thanks Thank for you. calling. Bye-bye. God bless you. Yeah. Oh, it's great to hear a guy so fired up yeah. and in the right way yeah. for reaching for youth. Matthew, God bless him out there. We'll and have to stay connected. Yeah, we want to stay connected with, with him and others of, that are like-minded. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm still, I'm off pause now, right? <laughs> right. So, okay. Um, I would just, you know, the whole issue of you know decision making I, I don't want to just overdwell on that but that is so critical you know uh i i remember um i, I was actually in africa several years ago and um uh, there was a, a gal that was serving us at a restaurant that was wearing a t-shirt that said i'm an actress may i take your order please and the issue is that so many young people, and maybe this is you know, getting a little bit beyond the teen, you know, years and so forth. But you know, they spend, they they get, they ended up getting, uh, you know, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars in debt themselves. Their parents got in debt, um, maybe twenty five, thirty thousand dollars, and they get their degree and they're not working in their field. Uh, but what I'm saying is just, you know, it's like. Um, the whole area of uh, godly counsel, I know the Word of God is our counselor, tool for decision-making, like you said. Um, how, it, it, what, what do you see as your role in, in just you know, helping kids with, with, with decisions? 
Uh, I mean, the word is there. They're getting it there. But sometimes, you know, you, you, you need to have a voice of another human being um, to to give that guidance. Because a lot of times kids, you know, don't realize that the decision I make today can affect me all the rest of my life. And it's pretty hard to, uh, you know, approach a kid with that because they don't have quite that understanding. They don't oftentimes don't see how that how that can be, but it certainly can be. Um, and, uh, you know, that what, what college do I go to? Do I play on the basketball team? Do I, um, who, who do I hang out with? That sort of thing. So I'm um, just, um, just, just maybe just speak a little bit more about that. And, uh, then we can just move on to something else. Uh, uh, Danny, go ahead and, uh, Heather, go ahead and, uh, follow up with that, please. I think you hit a good point is that it's not it's not initially natural for kids to think two steps ahead or three steps ahead or three years ahead uh, even younger of going that every decision that you make has a consequence and mm-hmm. teaching that early just as a basic a basic principle that every action every word and even every thought has a consequence. It leads you to the next one. And what happens based on those decisions and the outcome will then push you to the next decision. And even just using personal experiences of being able to be transparent with kids, when, you know what, <laughs> this was a sequence of events or this was an, a, a decision that I made, and this was the outcome, and I really wish that I hadn't made that because now I couldn't do this, or it made me um, it made me take a lot longer to get to where I really wanted to be, or even the opposite of going i this was a time where I really thought about it. I planned, I thought, mm-hmm. where do I want to be in the end? like what is my my final destination, if you want to put it that way? What is your purpose? Where do you want to be? And you've got goals. Kids have goals. They've got things that they really want to accomplish. And sometimes that goal is just basic. I want to be a basketball star. Okay. Well, there's things, there's steps that need to be taken. You have to do planning now if you really want to get there. It's not just you wake up one day and sign up for your (laughs) million-dollar contract. Nobody works like that. That's not even how your famous basketball stars who you think don't have to do anything but play a game, they still have to plan. There's tons of planning. So even pointing them, it just life in general works like that. And then being able to bring in the aspect of spiritual decisions. You make, there's some decisions that you make that you can't go back on. You you make a decision and you automatically lose out on something. Yes, you forfeit something else yeah, you, you forfeit do. the like. And there's yeah, you leave school early, or you get pregnant, or whatever. You sometimes forfeit or delay um, something mm-hmm. that may have been a motivation and a goal from the beginning. And I think that's yeah. what the enemy wants to do: is throw throw kids, steal their motivations, discourage them, get them off the track um, with making bad decisions or something that's not really well thought out, like you're saying. And I can tell from how you're responding to this, Heather, that you are a teacher. And you want to, you know, teach them how to, you know, at first identify the motivations. And, and going back to even what Matthew was talking about, if kids are motivated and tapped into their motivations, 
their gifts, their skills, what they like to do, what turns them on, what causes them to pay attention. If they're involved with that, they will show up. They will pay attention yes. because it's what they want to do. And, and it's then, then your work is half done for you. You don't have to talk them into anything. And I think the same is true with God. If they realize that God is their motivation and their life and, you know, then they're going to show up and see that. But I think the key and the difficulty is causing them to see that God is important and his relationship with me and mine with him is the most important. As a matter of fact, it is the source of my life because they've got all these other options, music, movies, MTV, whatever, friends. And God can just be pushed to the back so simply, so easily, so quickly. But um, so, Dan, do you have any little thing you want to say about decision making? And then we're going to take a commercial break. Um, or did, or did Heather and I say it all, and Jerry? <laughs> we'll give you a chance. You guys got it. <laughs> you guys got well, it. Are you copyrighted? Are you going to give me some words of wisdom here? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, especially when it comes to you know the decision making towards the team, it's like you got, especially nowadays, it's such a quick generation that they're split second decisions. I, I, yeah. I, I always refer to the 15 seconds on YouTube. You know, it's like your 15 seconds on YouTube can change your life. You can break your neck doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you yeah. really want to. You really want to think about that before you do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't do this at home, right? Don't do. <laughs> but yeah. I think we're kind of hitting on some basic, um, foundational uh, stones, bricks, uh, blocks that need to be in place in our work with youth. And let's think about that for a few seconds while we do this next commercial. What are the basics? If we're going to summarize what we've been talking about, um, if you can come up with two or three foundational, most important things, what would you guys uh, lay down as your most important foundational pieces? And you think that through while we do this next commercial. With, it's um, God on Trial. It's a, actually a, a radio drama. And uh, we'll let you listen, and then we'll talk a little bit about that and get back with you guys. The heavens shook. Satan fell. The war in heaven was ended, but the war on earth had just begun. I dare you to let me test them. Would you test them to find fault with me? Let them choose for themselves whom they will serve. Perfect disguise. So subtle. Yet, alluring. <laughs> you will be more like him. That is why he has marked it as separate. More like him? Mm-hmm. Here. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Hi. Uh, you see? Nothing to fear. But I am afraid of one thing. Oh, what is it, my darling? What about Adam? Adam, where are you? Adam. You lied to us. (laughs) It's time you all suffer like he made me suffer. Those two are guilty... They will pay. Unless one can be found who is willing to pay the penalty for them. I demand my rights to a fair trial to determine my rights. You shall have your trial in the very hearts and souls of those you so freely seek to destroy. Well, 
them judge this matter. Let the accused become the judge, and the judge become the accused. No, um, we've, we've, hi everybody, we're back. Um, this was a drama that we have been using to reach youth, actually. Um, it's been doing a phenomenal job, it, you know, raises a lot of questions. It's kind of a, a discussion starter in many ways. But really, uh, God on trial, that is, that's really the bottom line. Um, it, God is on trial in the hearts and minds of every single human being on this earth, including the young people. And they are, by the way, old enough to vote. Um, and that's scary in a way. So, Dan, Heather, going back to kind of the, the foundation, uh, what are the foundation stones? We kind of talked about some things, and I've got my ideas, I've got my list kind of made. What do you see are maybe the three or four most critical things that we need to have in place? Start with, you can use Christian youth, you can use uh, those um, who have not been exposed to the gospel. What are the three things, four things we need? Um, go ahead. Dan, you want to start? Like, are you talking about us as leaders or for teens? Yeah, yeah, as leaders, as those who would be responsible to bring the gospel to these kids, what are three or four things? So for example, what are the things they need to know and have a strong um, confidence in in order to be strong, uh, zealous believers for Jesus Christ? What do they need to know? Well, well, I think the first thing is that, you know, as a as a youth leader, um, you need to know to, you know, like your foundation in Christ to be able to share that. In a way, you know, as if you're trying to share the gospel with somebody, you're going to need to know who you are before you, you can go. tell them what you believe. And how, why they should believe that, you know. And, and then for uh, you know, with me working with you know teens that are already in the church, preaching the firm foundation in Jesus through the word that He spoke to us through the through the word of God. You know, the, I always always preach the word because you yeah, got to you know go. that inside and out. Yeah, that's good. Can you add, Heather? Do you want to add something to that? What are the other things? Well, I believe else? the identity of identity of yourself, just like Dan was talking about, of as a leader of really needing to get down to the nitty gritty of what do you believe and why, because they they can spot a fake. They can spot somebody just trying to pass things off that they've been told they want to know that it was real for you and yeah sometimes that can even take you back of going oh um you know i haven't really actually thought about that of finding out things that you believe just because you remember somebody told you but not really knowing why so really getting to know why you believe what you believe which then pushes them because you are a model for what they need to do is know why they believe what they believe and who they are in Christ. They can grasp a hold of who they are, then it really provides um, security against 
all the things that are going to come at them from the world, be it media and music and all of the Mm -hmm. social media that are an intricate part of people's lives, whether they like it or not, because of that generation is just their friends are part of it. They even aren't a part of it even without being in it, you know, via pictures or Snapchat or whatever they want to be a part of, that they have to be able to stand against anything that comes at them because they know deep down who they are. And it doesn't matter what somebody else says. They know I am a child of God. I have worth. It doesn't matter what you say. I'm going to believe what my father says. And going back to the word of here's my proof. He said this, and I believe him. And therefore, I have security in myself, despite what you think and despite what you want to bully me with, despite what you want to ostracize me by doing, I have worth whether you say I do or not, because my father says I do. Mm-hmm. And then identity of, of before that, of, of having to um, be able to address misunderstandings of the identity of God and who he is and what he desires for us and how he wants to interact with us and the fact that he wants a relationship and that he's not the distant being that maybe will interfere with life or not based on whatever you want to blame him for (laughs) or that he has it out for you, that unless you're perfect, you're not worthy of his love. But of identity of God and identity of themselves, who they really are and who God is. Do we lose you, Margie? No. Uh, I'm, I can hear you guys. Okay, let's get this summary going because I love what Heather was saying. I love what you said, Dan. Um, give me, okay, here, let me just read back to you what you said. First of all, um, Dan, you said who you are. Um, and I think that's absolutely critical. You need to know who you are as a youth person. Um, it's through and through. You need to be confident in who you are in God and know how to be humble in God and walk in him and his truth and trust in him. So every day you yourself are being brought up and fed in the word of God. So knowing who you are is the primary, because um, you're the way that the Lord's going to speak to them. And the next thing you said, Dan, was to be um, uh, teach them Jesus Christ through the word as, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace. Can you, you can still hear? Yeah. Okay, great, great. We're on. And then... Um, your identity of yourself, your identity of yourself, um, as Heather was saying, we need to know who they are, you know, and I think knowing who I am, why I'm, you know, how I got here, what makes me valuable, um, and then bottom line, Heather, why do I believe what I believe? Uh, personal conviction, personal relationship through Jesus Christ with them, you establish that um, but then they have to know why they believe what they believe. So I think if we focus on the the basics of their the foundations of the faith through the word and know how to get to 
um, the misunderstandings or the wrong concepts, and that comes through conversations, comes through relationships. So back to it's ba- back to basics. Know who I am. Know who God is. Know the Word of God. Know that I know what I know, and then teach them to be that confident. Um, and they may, some of them may specifically need to, you know, have more of an interest in the apologetics. And like in uh, the movie um, God's Not Dead, did you guys get to see that movie? No, not yet. Okay. Well, that was a, a young um, college student who took on the challenge of why did he believe there was a God. And um, and I think that it was courageous on his part. But the interesting thing about the movie is I think it's based on about 100 true stories because at the end of the credits, when they're rolling the credits, there was list after list, name after name of young people who had been, um, uh, you know, had to stand up for their faith in their learning institutions. I think these were mostly colleges, but um, it's amazing that if we can prepare our youth to know that they know what they know and to, and to, you know, to love Jesus Christ and love his word and to discern the lie from the truth, we are going to go a long ways to helping them, but we haven't even hardly, I mean, there's so much to that that we can't expect just a few selected youth people, personnel to do that. Um, so, what? anything else that you want to say in terms of um, uh, answering and addressing those building blocks, you guys? Well, I think, uh, you know, you had mentioned it. It's not just in the colleges that, you know, these kids are having to deal with these identity issues. I, you know, I do believe, I, uh, you know, when I got saved when I was 15, it changed me so much that the only book I'd bring to some of my classes is my Bible. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it really irritated some of my teachers. But, it, you know, it, it has a, at that point of going, you know, this is the only thing I need to know right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, that's how much I wanted it. That's how much it, I yeah. wanted to read it. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy, and that's kind of rare. But the the amazing hunger that God gave you, I think He gave you the hunger to to dig it out for yourself. And it's it's hunger that causes people to eat, and it's eating the right food that causes yep. people to grow healthy. So it's kind of an analogy that really would work. And so praying for these children, young people, teens, youth, to get to get on fire, to get a hunger for righteousness and truth, because. If they look around in their world, there is nothing else. I mean, you know, whether Jesus is coming back in 20 minutes, like I said, or 200 years, there is really nothing else because ultimately we're going to have to give an account of of, of ourselves. And, um, you know, when my life is over, is it really over, bottom line? Um, you yeah. know, with all the options that we think we have, do we really have any options at all except what God says? So, um Anything else, Heather, you want to say about what we've been talking about in in terms of building blocks and even for the children as you work more with the young ones? Anything that done excellent job, both of you, but anything you want to add to that? I think it's going back to the having purpose. And we talked about mm-hmm. that for in a few different areas, but of even the the fact that you have value so you have purpose that mm-hmm. if you have purpose, then those decisions that you make and how are you going to get to that goal, how, mm-hmm. how is what you do lead to that purpose? How does it connect to that purpose? And, 
everything that you do that you walk with purpose. And it, it fits whether you're mm-hmm. doing it for school or an individual project or your own personal life goal or with God of what is the purpose. And that's the age of question, what, what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose? Why are we are here? We, yeah, and exactly. Why are we at school? Why are you here? And if you know why you're here, then your actions and your words should be pushing you in the direction that's a productive way towards mm-hmm. that purpose. And so I think it's really valuable. Hmm? So if the little kid comes to you and says, well, the only reason I'm here at school is because I have to be, you know, because my mom puts me on the bus, then what would you say to a child like that? Then you come up with what's your purpose? What are you planning on doing today? And even getting down to that question of what do they think <laughs> that they are going to be accomplishing? And sometimes it's, well, I'm just going to goof off. I'm going to do what I want. Okay, well, why? And the question of why, back at a kid, sometimes really can throw them off. Well, I don't know. I'm just because. <laughs> There's got to be a reason. Are you wanting this? You're wanting something. The kids are always oh, wanting still. something. Yeah. So you're saying that you help them focus on their purpose, their value, their motivation, who they are, what they want, how to get it. And once we start making them see that this makes sense, there is a reason to put input there's a reason to pay attention. There's a reason to invest yourself. There's a reason to live. Um, yes. You be, you begin to give them the reason not only for purpose, but to find the purpose ultimately for their life and that they are precious and valuable to God. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's really a foundation. Go ahead, Dan. Well, and then it's productive for them, too. It's not just you're doing it for somebody else. That it's got to be something personal of if you're here, what, what your purpose is, is not just to take up space. That's, that's not functional. <laughs> your, your purpose yeah. actually is benefiting you. If it's really your purpose, there's a benefit for you. And that seems to resound with kids because of that egocentric nature. That they, yeah. Yeah. they want things that we're going to make them feel good and they're going to benefit them. And if it doesn't directly benefit them, they're not as interested. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. can grab a hold of that purpose that that connects with well, a benefit for them and a purpose for them, they're a lot more likely to put the motivation effort towards reaching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jerry, did you want to add to that anything? Yeah, I just uh, want to say, you know, in, talk, in talking to kids about their purpose and so forth, and sometimes I just think, you know, what in the world? Why am I taking? Why do I want to know about geology or geography or or uh, math or anything like that? Um, you know, I think a lot of times people kids say, "Why do I have to know this? I'm not going to use this in yeah. my life." I mean, maybe it's more in high school or middle school. It's like this is so stupid. And I think this is an area, too, where, you know, you as a teacher and Dan, you, you know, in your youth group can relate things from your life and say, hey, even this, it might seem like the most stupid, boring thing right now, but someday this is all working together uh, within you for, for you, the purpose that God has for you. It doesn't make sense right now, and it's hard to get a kid to grasp that, I understand, but... Um, you know, I think that's that's an important thing, too, because I, I can think of many times in my life things that I learned that I thought were wrong, that I thought was were just stupid, but 
I'm yeah. glad I know him now. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, you guys, it's time to kind of wrap it up. And I know um, it's something we could we could spend a week talking about. So it would be good sometime to maybe just get down and, and do some of these things in, a, in workshops and stuff. Speaking of workshops, I just want to give a couple of commercials real quick. I am going to be speaking Saturday, this Saturday, in Roseville, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Roseville. Um, and if you want, this is for young adults. It's a, it's a kind of a, a retreat for them. And I'll be talking about um, renewing our covenant with God and reclaiming lost blessings. And if it, the address for the young adults, if they're interested, is 1707 Lydia Avenue West in Roseville. And that's 5511355113 in Roseville, Minnesota. And you're, it's free, open to the young adult population. Um, also, um, we are going to be having next week, and you might want to pass this on. We didn't. We touched on this just briefly tonight. About uh, next week, by the time we get together again, we're going to have seen the blood moons, and you'll be able to see them on Monday night. We go to bed about midnight. You just don't go to bed and stay up till about two o'clock. You should be able to see the red moon, the blood moon, here in um, this area, uh, Minnesota, etc. And I think all of the United States will be able to see it. And um, so our guest next week is going to be Doug Woodward, who has done a ton of writing um, on uh, Mars. And as a matter of fact, Mars is going to be as close as it ever gets to the Earth at the exact same time that we have the blood moon on Passover next Monday, Tuesday. And so those of you who want to uh, clear your calendars, check us out. Check out Doug. He is phenomenal. He's written books on uh, is America the next Babylon or the final Babylon or and what about Mars, and is there life on Mars, and just incredible stuff. So, I mean, we're just very excited about that. And that kind of goes into the idea of um, how do we live if these things are really coming to pass, and as you referenced earlier, mid-post-trib, whatever, um, how are we supposed to live? So anyway, guys, I'm sure that we're just going to have nothing but tons of questions and excitement from here on out. So the Lord bless you both, and um, we thank you for being on tonight. And um, just want to say, Dan and Heather, thank you so much for being on Rescue Radio this evening. You guys are awesome. We love you. Thank you so much, and um, hope you can join us again sometime. Yeah, and thanks, Matt. Thank we'll you for having us. Yeah, you're you're blessed. Okay, goodbye, everybody, and we'll see you next Tuesday night. I have an emergency. What is your location? Bye. Because there's a war for your soul.